Hey, it's Bill Simmons. We taped something on the NBA on the BS podcast tonight. We wanted to double run it here on the Ringer NBA show as well. You'll hear my dad because we're having his 70th birthday Blue Plate special podcast as well as the Ringer's Kevin O'Connor. And we were talking about Oklahoma City and the Celtics and who can make the title. So we're double running it here just in case you didn't want to listen all the way to the end of my uh, BS podcast. As always, the BS podcast brought to you by SeatGeek. And right now, if you love NBA, you can use my offer code BSNBA, 20% off, first time. You use SeatGeek, go to the SeatGeek app or download SeatGeek.com. Here it is, me, my dad, Kevin O'Connor. All right, on the line right now, the Ringer's Kevin O'Connor wrote an awesome piece this week about Victor Oladipo, one of the hosts of the Ringer NBA podcast, Ringer NBA show, and uh, still in Boston, unlike my dad, who's here in LA. But um, let's talk about the Oladipo thing first, because- I think the fascinating thing about that trade, and I thought it was a terrible trade. I know my dad was upset about it because we didn't get Paul George, but um, Oladipo had already been transforming his body, which you laid out in that piece. And even before the Pacers made that trade, he had turned himself into an athletic specimen and he was already a really good athlete. Do you think Indiana knew that he had transformed his body that way and that was one of the reasons they made the trade? You know, I I think that's kind of what got overlooked. And I do think they must have had at least some idea of what he was doing that summer because he went to the extreme. I mean, as a story detail, not just his body, but the steps he took with improving his game. There must have been some hint that a leap was coming. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, like I feel like looking back at that, I mean, I was dead wrong about that deal as it happened. It's like a ton of people were. And, yeah. and I think the situation always overlooked, too. Like it goes beyond the body changes and and, and the changes he made to his game. Like he got into a great, a great situation as well. I think people overlook more than anything else in sports um, situations when they think about assets and with trades. And I wrote about. You know, I wrote a big Westbrook piece last spring and in that piece was talking about how bad Westbrook was for Oladipo and how it was such a dangerous part of his MVP case where Oladipo is basically just standing there and he's completely useless on most Westbrook plays. And then occasionally Westbrook would be like, okay, now it's your turn to make a play and would throw him the ball. And now Oladipo had to do something. And the, the one time he gets the ball... And he was just used so poorly. And then Sabonis, who you and I both liked in college and my dad liked too, gets recast as this stretch four when he's a center. And, you know, I think Pritchard should get a lot of credit. And I certainly wasn't giving him last summer for at least looking at those two guys and being like, I think in a different offense, I think these guys might be assets. But the Oladipo part of him transforming his body um, Man, I, I mean, I guess we have to, I guess GMs really have to start looking at this stuff April, May, <laughs> June and being like, man, who, who's taking basketball seriously? Um, the Paul George thing, though, is fascinating to me because if the Celtics get Paul George, which they thought they would, dad, um, we don't have Kyrie Irving. Right. Who and, at, and Kevin, I think you and I argued about this on my podcast and I was saying I, had, I ranked it Kyrie, Paul George, Jimmy Butler. And you had it ranked. What was your ranking? Paul George, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, or Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie? Uh, I know Kyrie was first or second. I know. Jimmy oh, Kyrie Butler was first was or second. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but Dad, if I told you in July 
we're better off with Kyrie Irving than Paul George. Would you have believed it? I think I would have believed it. Yeah? Yeah, I think I would have. Because um, we couldn't stop Kyrie. Well, because we, we needed... Uh, we, well, the, the unknown there is the Isaiah Thomas piece. Yeah. I mean, we, we certainly didn't need Kyrie Irving if we were going to keep Isaiah Thomas. So we certainly didn't forecast a trade between Boston and Cleveland. Right. Um, so it's kind of hard to go back and think about having Kyrie join us if Isaiah was still going to be there. And yet we did that trade scenarios podcast for Kyrie and Boston was always the most logical trade of everyone who was on the table. And and the caveat was, but they'll never actually trade. These guys are competing for a title. Right. And then they actually made the trade. And, you know, I think you need so much luck with this stuff where you have like, you look at the Celtics, Danny Ainge looks like a genius right now. Cause the Kyrie trade was amazing. The Tatum trade's amazing. Um, the KG trade was great. The Rondo trade was great. He's made all these great trades, but then there are all these what ifs, right? Kevin, like they almost traded two first round picks for Robert Swift. One or Al Jefferson. Almost, traded, a, what, almost traded four for the pick used on Frank Kaminsky for just, they wanted Justice Winslow. Right. That's, that's another, that one. that's a classic sliding doors. Justice Winslow, who I like. First of all, yeah, would have been the wrong guy because they Porzingis would have been there at number four and they would have taken Justice Winslow over Porzingis and they were ready oh, to oh, do if it. They went all the way up to three. If they went all the way up to three or four, you mean? I, I meant the, the ninth pick when he was slipping to Charlotte and Charlotte took Frank oh, yeah, yeah. instead. But yeah. there were two versions of that trade because initially they were trying to get to four and the Knicks were going to move back to nine. And if they had gotten mm-hmm. four, they were going to take Winslow. And if they had taken Winslow over Porzingis, Danny wouldn't have a job right now. Right. Um, <laughs> but then you look at what happened uh, with the Paul George trade. I who do who do we think they would have given up in that Paul George trade? It probably would have been the Tatum pick, or would it have been the Brooklyn pick the following year. Do we know? I don't know if we know exactly, but are we are we judging Paul George the Oklahoma City version, or are we project? Because it's like with Oladipo, you have to project him into what he would be in Boston. I think he would yes. be doing a lot more things differently there than he than he currently is in Oklahoma City. I mean, yeah. it, it's like if Kyrie had went to Phoenix instead or something like that. Oh, I'm I'm not I'm not out on Paul George at all. I'm just I'm I'm thinking of the alternate universe in where they just end up with Paul George instead of. Kyrie, and if they end up with Paul George, but keep Tatum and keep Jalen Brown and have these three, six, eight guys, but no Kyrie, it's a different team and it's not as good, but it's also a really interesting team. And I, I actually think Paul George is now undervalued with the way. Okay, Dad, how much have you watched Paul George this year? No, probably not a lot. No, I've watched him a lot and it, it gets me back to I, I really enjoy the old Depot article, but I was also thinking what you had phrased earlier that on OKC, he was useless because he would rarely get the ball. And like you said, it was when Westbrook would give it up. And now he reminds me a little bit what's happened with Kyrie Irving. I mean, Oladipo was playing second fiddle to Westbrook. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving was playing second fiddle to LeBron James. And now they're in different roles with different teams, different expectations. And in each case, they're the guy. Right, And then you see what happened with George and Carmelo Anthony joining Westbrook. Suddenly, nothing's jiving. Uh, it, it remind, you go back to a year ago, nothing was jiving with Oladipo. 
And it must be just impossible to play with Westbrook. I mean, he wants, he controls the ball so much. There's been a lot of stuff on the internet. Kevin could speak to this because he loves this stuff. He loves this stuff of Westbrook, how useless he is when he doesn't have the ball. Do you yeah. ever see him changing? Like one of the things I've been the most impressed with Kyrie, which I thought was in there because just from watching him in the finals and the playoffs and in person, all that stuff, but has gone to another level in the Celtics is how smart he is when he doesn't have the ball and the mm. back cuts he does with Horford and right. the way he moves. And he's always involved in the play, even if he doesn't have the ball and Westbrook's the opposite. Is it too many bad habits at this point, Kevin, or is it fixable? I think it's a long list of bad habits. And, and and the one thing I've read online is, you know, maybe maybe Westbrook hasn't been kind of pushed to play off ball. It's like, no, of course he's been asked to play off ball. He's been asked by all his coaches. And I'm sure it's been pushed by trainers as well. It's something that ultimately, from what I understand, is like I think he needs to really commit to doing that you look at the numbers with you look at the the film with how other point guards screen off ball how they move off ball to really make themselves open to get themselves open and Westbrook just kind of stands around between the three-point line and the half court really doing absolutely nothing he's not necessarily a threat out there at all and right and that's where it hurts the rest of the team it's a domino effect so like you mentioned earlier with Oladipo where they just throw the ball to him and that's it. Well, the well, the floor's not spaced in Oklahoma City because they were playing two bigs last year. Floor's not spaced because they have Robertson and, and Westbrook really aren't much of threats off ball. So it's like the situation can be so much better if it all starts with Westbrook really committing off ball. If he makes himself just as much of a threat off ball as he, as he is with on ball, I, I think he really elevates his game to a whole new level, more so than he already is because he is great, right? Like, I mean... We knock him a lot, but he is a great player. But and I think because of his greatness, it's not unfair to ask for more from him because it's there. It's so it, there's so much room to improve off ball. He's certainly he's certainly one of the most interesting NBA stars of my lifetime in that his strengths are so strong and his weaknesses are so weak. And it's just this package of, you know, on the one hand, he plays with this ferocity and he's he's just an unbelievable competitor. And then on the other hand, he just checks out during plays and he's doing both things at the same time. He he's chasing stats, which is my least favorite thing that any NBA player can do. I don't think, I just don't think, I think if you care about your stats more than what the result of the game is, that's insane. Um, but on the other hand, he's such a competitor. He's so relentless. He never stops. And it's just this constant balance of, I don't like this, but I like this. I, I wouldn't want to play with him, but yet he gives you a better chance to win than almost anyone in the league. And you're just going back and forth all the time on him. I personally would, would not want to play with him. I would much rather play with 10 other point guards, but I can also see the case for wanting to play with him. Well, would you, you want to play with him, Dad? Well, if you watch Carmelo and Paul George's body language when they're out on the court, I don't think they want to play with him. No. I, th I think they're good friends, I guess. Yeah. And they like them off the court, but uh, I don't think they're enjoying their experience in OKC. Is Carmelo salvageable KOC? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I'm not giving up on Carmelo yet. I, I'm I'm not. I, I realize I might die on this hill alone. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still I, on I still there. Think 
You are? Okay. I feel I'm, like at, I'm, I'm on there, I but feel like I'm alone. No, I'm on there, but I'm out of supplies. I'm walking down the hill right <laughs> now. <laughs> My dad's walking down the hill. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on the hill. Just, I have no supplies left. Yeah. Team USA Carmelo, right? Olympics Mellow still gives me hope where if this Oklahoma City situation can get right, I mean, whether it's this season or these guys hang around for, you know, another season, if it gets right, I just see Carmelo in a situation where he's getting more open shots, more easy shots than he ever did if that move, if that ball gets moving. But you don't, I don't you know don't if it expect, will. I don't know if it can. You don't expect Paul George to be there next year, do you? I don't. I don't no, think there's any way. No. So now, you, now you're left so with either. Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony? Well, here... Uh, if, if Carmelo stays even. Even, yeah. They have one chance, OKC, to salvage this over the next month. And it's going to come down to Westbrook just playing better. It's I I hate to just be, you know, boring about it, but he's not playing well. He's not playing well offensively. Um, and, and it's either they have to go all in with last year's model and just be like, this is your team, shoot 30 times a game, everyone else will stand around. Or he has to play better as a as a facilitator slash whatever. But right now they're in no man's land, and the the real part, which I wrote about last week, and I suggested a Stephen Adams trade that made all the OKC fans mad. But they they're they're like twenty what is it twenty four million dollar luxury tax bill they're looking at, and that team has shown yeah. no history of spending that kind of money. So I can't imagine they're not going to trade Paul George if. If in seven, eight weeks, they're still a 500 team with no chance to win the title, they're not going to beat the Warriors. They're not going to beat the Rockets. The Rockets are gonna, would blow them off the court. So why would you keep Paul George? He's not going to stay. Right. So I think they have to trade him. And I, I think that's a way bigger story than people are giving it credit for right now. That guy's not going to be on the OKC in two months. What do you think, KFC? I, I, I think... I think, you know, before, you know, it comes to that point where like, you know, you're thinking about seriously trading George, someone needs to get through to Westbrook. And I don't know if it's possible, but I, I don't know if Billy Donovan hasn't been able to do it, if other coaches haven't been able to do it, but there, there, someone needs to get through to Westbrook that if you are better off ball, it yeah. helps you, it helps your team. Yeah. Right, I think it helps everything on that roster. It helps Billy Donovan be able to really, I think, install the the ball movement type of system he wants. There's like there's little glimpses of it. We see certain sets they run uh, of when they move the ball, but there's nothing consistent. Like if Westbrook commits to really evolving, everything changes. I mean, we're talking about Oklahoma City maybe trading George right now in mid mid December. But a month from now or a month and a half from now, right before the eve of the trade deadline, things could look different then. It just it, it does need to start with Westbrook, just like it needs to start with the star player on every team. LeBron set the tone for the Cavaliers once he started defending. Everybody yep. else really started hustling, playing hard on that end of the floor. If Westbrook commits, I think everything else starts to fall in line behind him because there, there is talent on that team. Do you think Paul do you think Paul George is good enough to be the facilitator for them on offense? for most of the time with Westbrook playing off the ball in a scenario where they could actually compete with Houston and Golden State in a playoff series? I think those teams are on another level, so no, but I think he can bring them a lot closer. I, I think I do too. they can close the gap significantly. Yeah. I the, the reality is they're screwed because Houston, <laughs> you called it, credit to Kevin. Um, he was saying he thought, oh, he thought if... Chris Paul was healthy. Houston was going to be unstoppable for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because at some point Harden or Paul are on the court for 48 minutes. They always have 
a world-class point guard and it's like, nobody's going to be able to, you're not going to be able to keep up with that for 48 minutes. They're better than I thought. I'm not positive. Chris Paul can stay healthy. Have, have you've watched Houston dad? I've watched them. I think they could actually beat golden state. I really do. I think they're, I think they're in the conversation now. I'd be really hesitant though. It's only December and Chris Paul has at least two more injuries coming up between now and May. It's year 13 for him. But I think the ceiling of that team and what it would have to take to beat a team that's as loaded as Golden State, it's going to take, it's going to be math. It's going to be a team that shoots 45 threes and makes between 18 to 20 of them four times in a seven game series. Right, Kevin? I think it's like Maury said last year, it's exactly that, or the, the variance of their shooting, you know, gives them a chance at those super teams like the Warriors. So I think, you know, the fact that you have two superstars now, yeah, that helps as well. But the, their three-point shooting, the high variance of that is what I think really gives them a chance. And if you play it out, if you play out a seven-game series and they're at full strength, Harden will have one game that he wins by himself, right? So you need three yep. other games where everybody just makes shots. And I'll tell you, their crunch time, their crunch time lineup is a lineup that makes sense to me. Whereas I look at OKC's lineup, and eh, you know, it's like Robertson's out there and Adams, two guys who are complete non-threats. When we, when the Celts played them, Dad, you wanted Robertson to shoot every time. We, we, Please shoot. We're, we're leaving wide open. Please take one. And there was a point at the end of that game where Robinson took the three from the corner, and he made it. Yeah, but it was we were all shocked that he made it. Yeah, um, we, yeah. I mean we still pulled the game out, but I, I'm j- I just don't think I don't see George being there after the trade deadline. Um, I think that that team is going to readjust. I don't know where he'll go though, because any team taking George at the trade deadline probably in the back of their mind is thinking we're it, this is a pure rental. This this guy knows where he's going next year. KOC, what can they get for him? What's a realistic trade that would keep them competitive this year, but also make sense if for the team that acquires Paul George? You know, I was just thinking about that. I talked about this recently with someone on Twitter where it's like, if you're Oklahoma City and there are no bidders because no everybody's worried that he's not gonna stay and he's just a rental, I don't know if it I don't know if the if the benefit of trading him outweighs the risk of losing him, like you, you might be better off just waiting it out. Right. So maybe yeah. there's nothing, but if you're able to create a little bidding war, maybe, maybe a team like the Lakers gets worried and they offer something of value to get him before the deadline instead of risk, instead of risking him going to another team for a cheap price and then losing out on him in free agency. Maybe there's a way for Sam Presti to create leverage, um, by kind of go, going to other teams, maybe, maybe George, maybe George would be willing to resign in the right situation, right? Maybe there's a team in the East that he would be willing to resign with, but you need to create that leverage to, um, I think get good value back. Otherwise, I think if you're Oklahoma city, you got to give it till April, unless you get something of value, because there's still a chance in those latter two months of the season, that's when things start to click, right? I think everybody thought this team was going to take a while, but maybe it takes a little bit longer than expected. So I think I think you need to get something of significant value back still. I wonder if they do a trade, I think it's almost entirely financial. So he's making he's That's I can't rem- I can't remember exactly how much he's making, but I think it's over I think it's like twenty two. Some twenty, it's somewhere in that range. I, I believe it's I wanna say it's like 
18, 19 right now. Maybe that's what that's what is. Adams makes 22 next year, though. Right. Yeah. So he's making makes 22. Paul George is 19.5. Right. So if they're doing a trade. It it has to be a luxury tax deal and it has to be something where they're getting they're sending him to a team that has a ton of cap space that can absorb the trade and only send back like seven million dollars worth of guys. And there's really no teams out there that are like that. Like Philly would have been, I think, a candidate, right? But then they did that Covington extension, which which kind of slaughtered their cap space. So now you're looking at teams like well, Dallas has cap space. I think uh, there's one other team that, oh, Chicago has cap space. Like you're looking at teams like that, but why would why would Paul George ever resign with a team like that? I, I think they're kind of stuck with this roster unless there's some sort of more imaginative deal that I'm missing. I mean, that's going to be the difficult part. I mean, they, they might just be stuck where they just have to ride this out and see what happens. Well, and that's why I thought maybe Adams is the move. If you just want to save $24 million, um, that's you, tough, you dump Adams. But for, if, if you're OKC and you, you think there's no chance George is going to resign with you and you dump Adams just right now to save some money, a year from now, you have no George and you have no Adams. So I'm not sure they're exactly. going to make that move. By the way, another Celtics what if was Horford was very close to signing with OKC, right? Until Durant decided he wasn't signing there. And then the Celtics get Horford. But I mean, there's a, there's a lot of Boston related what ifs. Kevin, before we go, has there been uh has there been one team that in your opinion has vaulted into the, this team could possibly make the finals conversation. How many teams do you have in the, this team could possibly make the finals conversation right now? Oh, there's three out West Houston, Golden State, San Antonio, really no surprises there. And and then the East, I think it's a little bit more open than expected. Maybe, maybe I feel a little bit better about Toronto than I did before the season, the oh. way they're moving the ball in the offensive end. Dwayne Casey deserves a lot of credit. And those players, um, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, uh, more than anything else, those guys bought into the systematic changes. Um, I, that That's really where the team, that that's a team that I liked going into the season, but I'm, I'm really, really into them now just because of their change style. Interesting. So you have six teams then? Yeah, three in the East, three in the West. Nobody else. Washington, if John Wall fixes himself before the end of the season, could could move up there. But I'm not sure Milwaukee's quite ready yet. I'm definitely crossing off Milwaukee. Kevin, are you worried that uh, Morris may not be a factor for us the rest of the year? How about that weird statement he made about, you know, coming off the bench recently? It was very that, weird. That was odd. Yeah, very yeah. weird, given that I think two days later, uh, he didn't play because of his knee injury. Yeah, it went from it. It, 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 he, it seems like he's a good teammate, but then that the bench thing was weird and very atypical for the Brad Stevens era. It made me wonder. I think isn't this the last year of his contract, or he's got he's got a, no, he's got yeah. three years left, but it's a good contract. That's yeah. like six million. Right. And if they, if they, uh, well, they, they they're too late now. If they had absorbed somebody into the hey, we're at eight point four. They could have packaged that together with somebody, but I think I think it is conceivable Morris could be in a in a deal. I don't think the Celtics is are finished yet. Why can't they package that with the uh, the injury settlement? 
because there was a, de- a deadline for that. Yeah, uh, okay. the Dece- December eighth was the last date because of rules in the CBA that would allow them to package the salary they would receive with another deal. Um, so they, like, so they like can Morris, still use example. the money. They just can't package it. They could still do one for one. So yeah. they could sign Kendrick Perkins yes. for $8 million tomorrow and then flip him for somebody who makes $10 million. Okay. But yeah. you exactly. can't, you can't package him. I actually was disappointed with how they handled that, but I do think the ulterior motive is so, and we've never seen this before. Kevin, you better sit down. This is very exciting. Okay. The Celtics, $8.4 million. Once we get into the buyout stage post-trade deadline. Which is today, isn't it? No, no. This is like, I'm saying after the trade deadline, when it's like, if you didn't get traded, you're stuck on your team. That's usually when guys get bought out. Okay. They could offer anyone 8.4 million. Right. So it could be, I'm trying to think of who's, who's a veteran on a shit team who might get bought out. Like, like the scenario would have been like if Dwayne Wade was still on the bulls. And they kept until February, and then the Celtics could have stepped in in February and been like, "Here's eight point four million." The other interesting thing they could do is they could convince um, a team who has somebody with two years left on their deal this year and next, they could do a little chicanery, convince that team to buy out the guy, and then promise to make up the guy's salary with the eight point four. So if it was somebody who made eight million this year, eight million next year. They could tell the team, just wave them, buy, pay them for the rest of the year, and then and do a buyout, and then we'll make up the money, and the guy will get $16 million right now instead of 8 and 8 But I looked at the list, and there really isn't anybody out there. But I do think they're going to get super creative with that. Who is there a favorite buyout guy, potentially, Kevin? How about Greg Monroe on the Phoenix Suns? Uh, at the time of that deal happened, there was oh, reports And you that, know how you know, much I like Greg Monroe. Trade him or buy him out. My dad loves Greg Monroe. Yeah. He, he's he's transformed into he's he's the guy Jaleel Okafor needs to become elevate his defense and elevate his rebounding because the scoring's there for Okafor. Um, so Gr- Greg Monroe, I, I think he would be a smart candidate. Come off the bench and you know bruise bench bench units. So I wonder what the legalities are of let's say they traded Phoenix like a good second round pick for just somebody who sucked like their sixteenth man, and as part of that trade, it was wink wink. Wave Greg Monroe um, for zero dollar. Just just buy him out for zero dollars, and then we'll make it up with the eight point four. I wonder how would the league stop that? I mean, they could kind of dot the lines, but they wouldn't really be able to prove something happened, right? I can't see uh, Phoenix doing something with us. Yeah, that's true. Um, After the Isaiah thing, I think McDonough is still taking so much heat for the Isaiah trade. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But on the other hand. They have a cheap owner. And yeah. if they don't trade Monroe before the deadline, that owner is going to be like, yeah, get that guy out of here. I can see Monroe being moved. I will tell you this. If we get Monroe, my dad will be doing a victory lap at Beacon Hill. Well, which I, is a very long dog walk that day. I think, Just congratulations. I think we're missing one. We're missing a big guy. And uh, the Morris injury is certainly exacerbating that right now. See, I would argue what Morris is, uh, what Morris gives them and what we what we would miss if we didn't have that is that six eight type of guy who can guard LeBron. If and he's, if Greg if, Monroe doesn't, if he's healthy, but that's what I'm saying. If yeah. if we don't think he's going to be healthy this year, and we don't have that guy, right? Now we're looking at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum guarding LeBron, which right. is a disaster. Yeah. Jalen can handle it, but if he gets him in foul trouble, now 
we're asking a 19-year-old kid to guard LeBron in a playoff series. We need the third guy. And I don't know who that is. Like, I, I thought it might be Trevor Booker. Mm. And then uh, Philly swiped him. But is there anyone else you like, Kevin, out there who could be that 6'8 guy? Honestly, there's there's not a lot. I, I think they have him on the roster. It's Marcus Morris. I, I think yeah. he's that guy. Um, where so we got to get his get head right. Healthy, no matter how long it takes. Or yeah. shut him down for a month and make sure that knee gets gets healthy. Maybe he needs a, a minor procedure. I mean, they said that uh, structurally the knee is fine. That was in the paper yesterday. Yeah. So, t- so you're telling him to suck it up, basically. I don't want you to mess with the Morris brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say suck it up. I said try to find out why the irritation is there if the knee is structurally oh, yeah, sound. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go, uh, young Kevin is moving to Los Angeles next month. I did not know that. Do you have any advice for young Kevin's dad? Oh, because this was when I left. When I left the East Coast, you were devastated. Oh, it, um, I did not know you were making that move. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It hasn't, I thought it was going to break on TMZ for three weeks, but they didn't cover it. So I'm announcing it here. <laughs> My only suggestion was uh, hopefully you'll invite your dad out to the coast a little more frequently than I get invited. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're always... I'll, I'll, I'll make an effort to do that. Yeah. You're always like talking about how the dogs and how no, you can't get dog care. You're never available. It's always hard to get you out of here. That's just so I can feel better about myself not being invited out here. Yeah, oh, all right. Fair enough. Uh, KFC, what's your what's your finals pick right now? If a gun to your head, you had to pick two teams in the finals and what the final result would be, who would you pick? Um. I, I'm I'm gonna go with Golden State still in the West. Golden State in five against. I'm gonna change from my preseason pick, which was the Celtics, and go to the Cavaliers. So Cavaliers Warriors again. Um, Ca- Warriors in five. Gordon Hayward, April fifteenth, over under. He comes back. Do you go over, meaning it would be after <laughs> April fifteenth, or under April fifteenth for when we see Gordon Hayward um, in a Celtics uniform in a game? I'm going to go over as in like first round of the playoffs, something like that. Uh, Serious minutes restriction if it's this season. Okay. May 15th, over, under. Hmm. Under. Under. So you think he's back by first round of the playoffs? Yeah. If Hayward is, is were to return, I think middle of the first round of playoffs, something like that. And perhaps starts practicing in April, but then returns to the court late April, early May, something like that. So dad, Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe and Gordon Hayward. Happy birthday. I, I I like our chances. If that's and a healthy Marcus Morris, (laughs) I like our chances. This is it, man. We're back. If, if those three things occur, uh, I disagree with, I, I, with Kevin O'Connell, I can see us. O'Connor. O'Connor, yeah. Kevin O'Connor was the former third string Pats quarterback <laughs> way back when. I'm seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you have us back in the finals. I do, yeah. Wow. If so, those three things happen, sure. This is exciting. You made my dad's day. Kevin O'Connor, <laughs> good job this week here in the Ringer NBA show uh, early next week. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. Don't forget about the BS podcast every Monday. 
with Cousin Sal breaking down the week that was in the NFL as well as the week that's coming with Guest Alliance. And I should mention, against all odds with Cousin Sal, I went on there this week. We talked to Super Dave Osborne, and it was one of the funniest podcasts I've ever been a part of. So if you're not listening to Against All Odds, listen to that one. Don't forget to check out TheRinger.com and everyone on The Ringer Podcast Network, all the great shows that we have. Enjoy the weekend. Hey!